Um, it's about 7.01, and let's start with roll call. Uh, board members Jones? Present. Lau? Sanchez? Present. Saxby? Here. And Witt? Would you call Lau one more time? Yeah. Board <laughs> member Lau? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a quorum. Uh, first item on the agenda here is review of the minutes. We have our, our draft meeting minutes from November 7th, our last month meeting. Uh, does anyone have any comments or corrections? No. Then I move that we uh, approve these minutes. Do I have a second? I'll second that. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't even get a chance to ask you. Did you have any comments? Yeah. No. No comments. Okay. So we have a second. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. The motion passes. Um, next item on the agenda is agenda changes and discussions. Are there any changes? No changes. Next item, oral communications. No oral communications. No one, is, is there anyone here who wants to speak on an issue that's not on the agenda today? If they, if they do, they need to fill out a speaker form. No one's here to speak. Um, so next item, written communications. I think we have a couple of letters. They are for the next regular agenda item. Okay, they're gonna be included with the agenda item. Then moving right along, we're uh, to our regular agenda items. Item 7A, the review and approval of historic sign designation at 2070 Lincoln Avenue. Um, and uh, request for demolition of more than 30% of the value of the one-story pre-1942 commercial building and a construction of a second floor addition. So take it away, David. Thank you, uh, Chair Chairman uh, Saxby and uh, members of the uh, board. Uh, my name is David Sablon, planner too with the Planning, Building, and Transportation Department. And so um, is it out of battery? Do you want me to click? Um, so this item uh, came before the board in, in August of uh, earlier this year. It was, it, as uh, the description um, said, it's an application to remodel uh, an existing commercial building and to have, um, and also to facilitate a second floor uh, addition. Um, and so the reason why this project's before the board is that this project is going to dem demolish more than 30% the current value of the structure. It was built before 1942. Um, let's see, at, that, at the um, meeting in August, um, the board voted to um, designate the, the existing uh, neon sign as a historic sign. Um, and they also, uh, also at the, the uh, August meeting, there was some new images that ha had come up of what the building originally looked, at, looked like before its 1950s uh, remodel where it was kind of stuccoed over. Um, and so based on, on that being presented, um, the, the board really wanted to know more uh, about the existing features and, and materials of the building. And so they kind of directed staff and the applicant to 
to do some more exploratory demo work to, to look and see what, what exists or what remains. Um, and so what the exploratory demo um, work uh, revealed is that um, kind of basic parts of the, of the main facade remain, the, the wood paneled um, bulkheads and, and uh, much of the, the, the uh, pillars uh, on the storefronts. Um, and then, so uh, one thing that was noticed, um, uh, the site was visited with uh, members of AAPS and, and Chairman Saxby, um, met with staff also on the site. Um, one thing that was pointed out um, uh, on the site visit is that much of the original uh, openings and storefronts uh, still exist, and here they're kind of highlighted where the red is the, is the storefront and the blue is, is different uh, window bays that, that exist. Um, and so the applicant went back and redesigned um, the front facade to kind of uh, utilize these existing existing features so that um, things like the bulkheads between uh, columns can be either you know repaired or reused or replaced uh, as is. Uh, the one one change is that because it was originally uh, four tenant spaces and they want to have um, basically four new tenant spaces, but a uh, uh, a fifth opening, um, they had to add a new um, entrance, and so uh, this is kind of where the, the applicant is, is proposing to add a new storefront uh, entrance. Oh, let's see. And so um, for this reason, um, the fact that it's going to have a new entrance, new bulkheads, and that um, the condition of all the bulkheads and, 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 and columns are you know, between, you know, reusable or need to be replaced or repaired, uh, staff is recommending it as a condition of approval that the plans for a building permit um, uh, show details, uh, dimensioned uh, details of all these features so that um, everyone involved, inspector, uh, the contractor, applicant, are all aware of what is going to be put in place um, as part of this, this project. Uh, also, in, re in, um, uh, in response to uh, comments from the board, uh, the second floor, proposed second floor, has been um, pushed back six feet from the Lincoln uh, elevation. Um, this kind of this uh, removes any conflict with the neighboring building that, that was uh, coming across the property line, and so now with that movement, uh, that, that issue has been, been solved. Um, staff uh, is recommending a condition of approval for the Willow Street side to have uh, the proposed window storefront moved closer towards the front elevation to kind of wrap around the building. Um, so that's one of our recommended uh, conditions of approval. Uh, let's see. Um, also, um, as Chairman Saxby had mentioned, that we received uh, two letters uh, in response to this project. Um, I believe they were forwarded on to you and then provided um, to you tonight on the dais. Um, and then one other sh issue I want to kind of touch on is the, the Lincoln Market sign. Um, and let's see, you know, kind of uh, open up for discussion be before the board as far as sign copy goes uh, on this preserved sign. Um, as, as part of the, uh, the, the 
previous resolution in uh, in August uh, designated the sign. Um, there was a condition that is also on this resolution where basically anytime somebody does something to this building, um, this sign is going to have to be preserved and, and, and as part of that. Um, so in, in this case, um, you know, that designation um, of the sign, generally it's, it's, it's treated as an architectural feature and not an actual sign. Um, however, the, the applicant would like to um, uh, change the sign copy as needed on the sign, and so we're kind of um, coming to the board for uh, direction on that of whether or not um, the copy on the sign is part of what was being preserved or is it the construction and, and design of the sign. Um, or, if there, or if there are portions of the copy that should remain or, or, or be allowed to be changed. Um, and so recommendations are to approve the certificate of approval with the conditions to provide detailed drawings for the features to be retained and to relocate the Willow Street storefront windows. Um, and so I'm available for any questions from the board. Thank you. Anyone would like to start with questions? Mr. Sanchez? No, I think you addressed the one question I had, which was the the location of the new proposed. So, if I'm understanding correctly, David, the it's the center, it's the center uh, storefront that's new, right? Yes, yeah, where the dotted lines are here. Okay. Member Lau, do you have any questions? Uh, not right now. <laughs> no questions Don't. for me. Um, I'm kind of, I'll get into the, the weeds here a little bit. Um, on the posed storefront elevation that you have uh, in the view right now, it's showing um, a series of brackets underneath the cornice above the storefront modillions. And the detail doesn't show those, so I'm wondering the detail section two, and I'm wondering if those are intended to be included or, or not. As far as in the final design, yeah, uh, yeah, that's is that part of the yeah. It's not shown in the details, but that's part of what you were saying. Yeah, as far in the, as the conditions condition, of approval yeah, to, have, to have more development of that. Yes. Um, another question uh, concerning the sign. Mm -hmm. uh, as the as a designated historic sign, uh, are we? Is the applicant? able to change the, the wording of the sign, or is, or is that somehow protected in the historic sign ordinance? Um, actually, there, there's a lot of latitude for, the, um, for both the applicant and, and the city to decide. Um, and where we can look for answers would be uh, two sources. One, in the Secretary of the Interior Standards, there's a preservation brief on historic signs. Uh, this is published by the um, federal government and Secretary of the Interior. It does allow consideration on a case-by-case -case basis as reasonable to um, assess whether change in the copy would materially change the kind of the purpose of the sign. And it really depends on what the sign involves. For, for example, if this was a sign that was, um, you're walking down Park Street earlier, you see the hobnob sign. And part of the hobnob sign is a graphic of a mar uh, martini glass. That 
graphic would be, I would argue, pretty integral to that sign. And if that were to change, and it probably changes the character. In this case, we're dealing with a sign that has a unique shape. Uh, it has copy on it. The copy has curs in cursive font, Lincoln, and then sort of block letters, mark it, and then the diagonal liquors. Um, so I think the question before this board is, do you think the actual letters, the copy, of, and the content has historic significance? One way to think about it is perhaps in, it could be called some other market, Bill's Market, for example, um, but as long as the uh, liquor, the words liquor is still there, uh, that might be okay because uh, that corner of the block has been a liquor store for 60 plus years. And if, if the board agrees that the use of that space as a liquor store was part of this history and it was important in defining the character of the building, then you may, you may also set that boundary. Um, we've we've asked this, posed this question to the city attorney's office. The city attorney's response was pretty much on the same lines of, "Be reasonable, right? Um, if if McDonald's were to take over the space and they wanted to put the McDonald's you know Golden Arches logo on it, and it obviously the the copyrighted the brand that trademark does not fit the current character i don't think the city can require mcdonald's to change their branding um to be in in uh, it, there 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 is uh, there is a certain limit in, in terms of what we can require but it is evaluated on a case-by-case -case basis and i think in this case you can consider the use the longevity of the use whether the words Lincoln Market Liquors is really that important, or could that copy be replaced by something else and still maintain the, the character that we want to preserve at this location? Okay, thank you. Um, following up on that, Alan, could you, um, could you refresh our memory? That sign is not original to the building, so do we know like circa, is it like a 1950 sign, roughly? Yeah, 58, I believe. Right, yeah. And the original, the purpose of the building when it was originally constructed, I know that there was various retail spaces, but uh -huh. was there originally a market within that building, or has that use changed, or do we know? I don't know. Um, prior to 19, to the, till the sign and the re remodel is all part of this one, I don't have information on tenants okay. from that. Yeah, we can reasonably ass assume that these were retail spaces. But also keep in mind that um, the use of the space, it reflects an evolution of, of the history of the building as well. So even though it may not be original to the date of construction, I mean, it happened at some point in its history. Okay. Thank you. Any other questions? Thank you. So we have uh, one speaker slip. Uh, Ms. Tang, would you like to talk to us? Yes, hi. Good evening. My name is Laura, and I'm representing the applicant. Um, my main focus tonight is because we kind of review over what's the board um, conditions about. So we want to be a little bit uh, reasonable on the sign. And we do agree that we want to be keep the building as historical as possible, and that that's the beauty of Alameda. Um, like Alan said, I'm not sure the word liquor is um, reasonable to keep. And number one is, I think that, okay, imagine one, not just McDonald, 
how about one day it become a preschool or one day it become a church? Will that be um, some mislead or discrimination against the religion or something? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't plan to have a church there, but I'm just thinking that. And then um, I looked at the original picture of the building, and that's how the design trying to match in the past. But at, on that picture, there's no sign there. So are you trying to keep, because it seems like we're going to use that picture as matching the design. But now that the sign is back to the 50, so what are we trying to do, right? And then um, I do real estate, and I, I am the investor myself. Having a name liquor there is really not a good influence and good impact to the neighborhood. Um, and then talk about disclosure. So are we going to put another sign up there to disclose, hey, this is a historical meaning only, have nothing to do with the content of the uh, business? So if we don't have that, are we trying to say that this type of business only mainly for whoever know about Alameda, so they know what is the business to deliver? So it's confusing on the business, and I, I, I don't want to get the word discrimination there. And then um, it's going to be a beautiful a building, and I don't see where in the building in the front that you want to put a big old sign there for the future store. We don't want to be like that because otherwise we lost the purpose of the design. So I only see the only way it could be the corner or whatsoever. But if the, if the content is already there, where do you expect the new business sign to be? Another sign be on top of that sign that you lost the purpose again. So um, I agree with the city, and I live here for a long time. I want to keep the city beautiful, but I would say that the content allowed the, the new business owner to change. Um, that's one thing I want to say. So anything else you want to express? No? Okay. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't think we have any other speakers, um, so I'll close the, the public comment period and open up our discussion on the design. So would anyone like to start? Uh, I, I can start if you like. Okay. So I guess, um, well, first of all, I'd like to thank the applicant because uh, it's obvious that you've taken a lot of care and effort to take our suggestions to heart. Uh, I think that the exploratory measures that you took were well worth the time, and I think that your design has definitely improved because of it, so we appreciate that. Um, I think the sticking with, it, with the conditions of approval and the recommendations from staff, I, I would agree that... Um, conditioning some of the detailing. Um, there seems to be a little bit of inconsistency as uh, Chair Saxby already pointed out with regards to the detailing of the windows, um, the cornice, and some of the architectural details that we're trying to recreate. I think there's some inconsistency between the elevation views, uh, the photograph, the original photograph, and the detail. So I think bringing those in line would be, would be well worth it. Um, the, when I first looked at the proposed elevation, I wasn't clear on which entry was being proposed to be the new, uh, the new storefront. I originally thought that perhaps it was the one that was furthest to the right on the front elevation. Now that I see its location, it, it's making a little bit more sense to me. I, I, I was curious as to whether 
the entry vestibule made more sense from the rear of the building for the upstairs, but now that I see the rhythm of the of the doorways, I think it it makes sense in the in the proposed location. So I'm I'm less opposed to it than I was originally. Um, one comment I would say about the windows on the um, on the willow side. So I'm in agreement that bringing them closer to the corner makes sense. I think that architecturally that would work better, and I think that it would be more consistent with the uh, original building. The concern that I have is that the setback that we have on that corner on the upper floor as well as the cornice as it wraps around the corner, it, because it's matching that six-foot dimension that's upstairs, and we have a seven-foot seven window, I think that it's going to bring it out of balance. And so I think that that needs to be studied a little bit, whether it's a single bay window that goes into that corner or whether that cornice continues further around. Um, another possibility could be to um, offset, to jog that upper floor further just on that corner to allow it enough room to have a full corner post in the corner and then the full um, double bay window. So. To me, I think that moving it to the corner is the right is the right move, but I think that how it interfaces with that cornice as it wraps around the corner and how it interfaces with the upper story is going to be something that it is going to be important. So I, I think that both of those need to be considered and looked at um, before the the drawings are finalized. Um, let's see. We haven't really addressed the the sign, the comments regarding the sign or AAPS's recommendations. Um, I would say, so generally speaking, I'm in agreement with a lot of the comments that AAPS had. In particular, I think that the upper floor windows need to be really carefully thought out and to make sure that they are fully compliant with the design guidelines, um, that they mimic a true wood window in proportion and in detailing. Uh, let's see. I think, yeah, I think that's mostly it. With regards to the sign, it's a tough one for me. I, I struggled with the sign originally. I, I felt like, um, you know, that sign is sort of straddling two different, two very different periods of the building. Um, and I, I likewise felt that the fact that it was so particular, so specific to a particular business made it difficult to retain. Um, so I would say that I probably lean more towards allowing some flexibility in the, in the text, um, and maybe a happy medium would be to preserve the Lincoln Market portion as the historic component and then allow the text liquors to be altered by the applicant in such a way that it reflects either the incoming businesses or, or perhaps just a name that could be reflective of the building rather than than a specific business. So to me, it seems like that might be a way to sort of get the best of both worlds and preserve that, that intent, the look of the sign, and, and have some contextual uh, link to the past without really uh, forcing the owners to, you know, be branding their, their f new business as a, as a liquor store or as a f former liquor store. Um, so I think Thank we'll you. leave it there. Jones, do you have any comments? Um, yes. I um, Just to tack on, I agree with everything Norman said, Board Member Norman and uh, Sanchez. And um, my one concern is that new entrance, it looks um, very much, 
the same as original doorways. And so um, my uh, concern is that we're kind of trying to replicate history where it wasn't part of the original structure. Um, I'm not saying that it needs to be so far removed, but perhaps, I don't know, making the doorway, uh, I don't know, doing something to it like the addition to s somehow modernize it. Um, and I'm trying to use my words really carefully. I don't mean contemporary or anything, just kind of matching the addition to that new um, entrance, I think might might be a solution there. Um, and um, I think that's my only comment. I think the, the signage uh, is a tough one and I, I didn't have a solution, but after hearing uh, board member Norman uh, Sanchez's comments, uh, I, I think that might be a good solution. It's, that's a tough one with the sign. Thank you. Yeah. Member Lau? Uh, yeah, I do agree the same thing uh, you guys mentioned about the signage. Um, yeah, it's, um, uh, I agree that because it's, uh, if the building's already changing the purpose to use, I think let the applicant to decide to uh, uh, change it or keep it. Um, one thing I I personally feel is I, um, for the building design, I actually like it like um, when I see that kind of building, uh, that historical style building, building, I actually like they put each because you guys create like four different um, store, and I actually like it like each store they have a they have a signage on the top, because uh, that will be refreshed the historical. And I still see uh, in different city like city of Pasadena, they they actually they're in the in the uh, they have so many that kind of building similar building uh, design and uh, they do each um, store have a have a signage on the top and I um, that will be I personally feel is good yeah thank you um, I, I have several comments um, and I think as uh, member Sanchez pointed out the the letter that AAPS uh, provided dated December 4th um, suggests has has um, eight different suggestions included and I have to say that I agree with with all of their points uh, except for item eight which is concerning the sign and uh, hearing the discussion tonight I am I am more inclined to uh, Authorize some alteration of the historic sign, whereas AAPS would like us to to not allow any changes. So, um, but the other points they've made, um, and I think most importantly, is that uh, the, the item number five says further exp exploratory removal of existing stucco should be performed. It says on the Willow Street side, but I'm, I think on both facades, both Lincoln and Willow, because I think that a lot of our discussion about what remains of the historic facade is still unknown. Um, we've done little holes, little exploratory holes, and seen that there's an historic storefront there, but we don't know how extensive it is. And so I, I don't, I would like to see if we're gonna be rec recreating um, a new storefront along the, uh, the Lincoln and 
and the corner, uh, Willow Street corner, um, I would like to see it be informed by what's uncovered when we remove the stucco. stucco. So um, to that point, uh, I would like to, and this is sort of addressing also the, um, the city's request in their suggested conditions of a more detailed uh, and dimensioned uh, information about the storefront. But I would like to see that be informed by what's uncovered as we do the stucco removal. So as part of that, I think that, um, and this is, this is addressed in AAPs, AAPS's letter, uh, item number four, suggesting that there's a subcommittee of the HAB that reviews the drawings when they're submitted to the city. And um, I, I would uh, think that's a good idea. And if, if uh, Member Sanchez is willing, I, I would volunteer myself and uh, possibly volunteer him as well to, to sit on that subcommittee. Sure, be happy to. Okay. Um, that way, I just want to make sure that we're, we're paying attention to the details and um, that we're getting the, the right information uh, reinterpreted onto the new storefront design. Um, so, so uh, you know, as part of the conditions of approval, I would suggest including AAPS's letter and all their conditions, um, which are very thoughtful, with the exception of item eight, which is concerning the historic sign. Um, in addition to that, I think that the the treatment the treatment of the um, second story addition, the parapet, appears to be a kind of mimicking the parapet of the historic building. And I think that that probably would be better served if we used, the, if we added that treatment to the parapet of the proposed storefront instead of the new building and, and simplified the, the parapet on the uh, second story addition. Um, would be an additional suggestion I would make. And, and I agree with uh, Member Sanchez's comment about the corner window. Um, I, I think it belongs on the corner, and I think that the cornice has to address that item, however it turns out. I think that when we remove the stucco, we may find the actual dimensions of that window, the original window. And so again, I think there's, it's important to do more exploratory removal of stucco to understand what the historic storefront is. Um, so, um, so I would, I would, I, my recommendation, um, if anyone cares to comment, is to approve the draft resolution provided by the city with the additional conditions of items one through seven in the AAPS letter submitted December 4th. And, the and with the condition that there will be a, uh, a subcommittee of the HAB reviewing the applicant's submittal. Yeah, Chair Saxby, actually staff has a comment on that, specifically on number four. Um, it's, it would blur the lines be 
between the board's role in discretionary review of a certificate of approval versus the ministerial review of a building permit by as formally establishing a subcommittee to, to, to do that work. Um, I don't think that has happened in the past. Now, subcommittees for uh, board projects that will eventually come back to the board would be fine. So, for example, if you feel like, ooh, you know what, without the exploratory demo on the Willow side, you really can't make a decision on the project, then I think, you know, your, your decision tonight might be to continue the decision until that actually happens and to a state where the plans are comfortable for approval and then stamp it approval. Okay. And then, or, um, or you uh, be very specific in the um, conditions of approval f uh, on what details you want staff to look for and then that becomes part of the staff review as part of building permits. Well, I, you know, I, I look at the uh, proposed storefront elevation and I think there's it's very problematic there's a there's a lot of proportion issues there's a lot of design issues that um, aren't thoroughly addressed there's a lot of questions about are there modillions are there not modillions um, I, th I think we have a lot of information about the historic storefront but we that, that isn't reflected in this drawing and we potentially have a lot of historic fabric that we don't know about that's also not addressed in this drawing and so if we can't approve it with some ability to come back and and um, sort of critique it, then um, I, I don't think I would support approving it without more development of the design. And the other point I want to just throw out there is um, just kind of remind the board, your, your purview over the project is the certificate of approval. Um, um, there is a separate design review process that's under the purview of the planning board and planning staff. Um, a lot, I think a lot of the uh, comments that are being provided tonight are good. Um, a lot of those are really design review comments. Um, we, I mean, the, the decision really before the board is, are you okay with allowing the work to be done with the building that involves removal of 30% of its value. I don't want to take away, and by saying that, I don't want to take away the value of this board providing a lot of the comments, um, but on past projects, the, the value add from this board is providing the guidance to staff so that staff follows that direction when we do design review, and if the project ends up going to the planning board, the, the recommendation by this board on some of the historic features um, are presented in that context. So, I mean, if, if again, I would ask if, if the board is comfortable providing that clear direction, I mean, the, 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 your conditions of approval for the certificate approval might be staff, we're gonna approve the certificate approval, but you specifically follow, you have to follow the AAPS conditions and we can incorporate the, the AAPS recommended conditions verbatim in the resolution and we can follow them. Or if you feel like, ooh, without this information, you can't make a decision on the removal of 30% of the value, um, then we would have to continue this to the next meeting. But I would just also want to be mindful of timeline and applicant um, and, their, and their effort. Um, Alan, could you mm -hmm. clarify, so 
as part of the design review process, this project wouldn't necessarily go before planning board, correct? It uh, would, what would trigger a review by planning board of this it could project? Be, it could be called for review by the planning board members, or it could be an appeal by a member of the public, which would send, send it to the planning board. But otherwise, this would be a staff-level approval. We would notice it. Uh, we would still take public comments. Um, and again, the direction from this board on the certificate approval, we always routinely incorporate it into our work with the, with the applicant. So um, just from the applicant's perspective and staff's perspective, the discretionary review portion of this project is actually not over. Right, this so is really just part A. We're hoping to get all of the comments by the board about the preservation issues. I think the applicants done a very good job trying to respond to those comments. Yes, they understand that w there's still a lot more work to be done. From my perspective as staff, I think the next step really is to take all of your specific direction during design review, going back to the applicant. Hey, you need a, the, the, the HEB said you need to provide more details on the modillions give us those details. We need to work through some issues on the Willow Street uh, elevation. What are those details? And then for the plan set, that's gonna be noticed for design review, ideally would have uh, satisfied every, uh, every one of the board's requests tonight. Would it be, so as part of that noticing, would AAPS receive notice? As Absolutely, yes. Okay, mm -hmm. and would we receive notice as well or no longer because it would be beyond our purview at that point? Um, I think you have been getting the design review notices from the planning board, so same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I think um, Mr. Buckley's letter maybe forgotten, had forgotten the fact that there w there's still a design review component process that this project has to go through, which is why he was suggesting that, oh, do final building permits, we have to have a subcommittee of the board. But I, I, I almost feel like for this project, uh, we could have very specific requirements for the applicant to meet. I mean, that's why we're here tonight. Uh, I also have a follow-up question about the Willow Street side um, that I wanted to get some more clarity on. Um, okay, what's your question? Oh, okay, yeah, so David, would you mind going back to the Willow Street elevation? So. Um, we do know that the two bays, I mean, the width is specified there. It's about seven feet seven inches, mm -hmm. roughly, right? Um, if we were to shift that over to the corner, um, I the, the setback above is six feet, is that, am I reading that correctly? So does that mean we need to step the second story back another foot? I mean, to, to align, how, how would that work? And if we were to treat that step, that corner back a little bit differently, I, I feel like with the architect here, um, that's something we should resolve. Yeah, so, so my point, uh, Alan, was that the, so that's, that seven foot seven uh, bay is not gonna be able to go right up to the corner because you'd have to maintain a structural post there. And proportionately, you would want it to somewhat mimic the front elevation. Um, so then you could see that the cornice would sort of be straddling that, that, that window head and so, at the very minimum, I think that that cornice would need to be continued across the window okay. so that it has a similar relationship to the windows on the front. And then, without having sketched over it myself, I, I would say that it's possible that the piece above may also need to be extended further along the willow. And so what I was saying is, if, 
if we felt that that was necessary or if the applicant felt that that was necessary, one way to do that could be to perhaps jog just the corner of the upper story back as well to allow for that to happen. I, I don't I don't know that that's absolutely necessary, but I do know that the cornice at the very least would need to extend across that window to have it make sense. Got it. With that window in the corner. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think that's the right thing to do and uh, I would I would further that comment by saying that because there is no step back of the second story addition at the Willow Street facade that we might um, take a flat trim element in the same plane as the cornice and continue it all the way across the building um, as just, uh, just to demark where the old building and the new building uh, separate but not have it be a projecting cornice just just have it be sort of a continuation of the cornice feature without any of its uh, projection or, or detail yeah and I and I would say Alan that just to elaborate on that point that that may be where the exploratory demo might give us you know may give the applicant the solution to that problem right there may be something that hints at what was there previously and, and something that may actually they may choose to do that that achieves that separation or, or sort of um, delineates between the existing height of the building and the proposed. So uh, I think back to your point about us not driving the design, I think, you know, the, the point about the windows is I, I agree with staff that moving them makes some sense. I think adjusting the cornice to reflect that change also would be important. And then the rest of it, it I don't think there's an absolute right or wrong on that, but I think that it may need to be addressed. Thank you. That makes perfect sense. And um, you know, I don't want to hold this this process up. I, I, uh, I fortunately, AAPS's letter is pretty detailed and has a lot of good suggestions. Um, not remembering every aspect of it, I think that the the parapet of the first story needs to better reflect the historic parapet instead of the parapet of the second story, which is what it appears that they were trying to do, is to reflect the, the historic parapet. But let's make sure that in the new design that we differentiate between historic old building and new addition and not, not let the details sort of slide between the two. Um, I think that it's very important. The proportions of the storefront are all wrong at this point, and I think the proportions need to reflect um, the, we have such great photo documentation of this storefront, and I think when we remove the stucco, we have actual physical evidence of the proportion of the storefront, and I'd like to see the final design reflect those, you know, those observations instead of um, uh, this, what's shown here in this elevation drawing. So if staff may ask a clarifying question on that. Sure. Specifically, we are referring to the uh, the transom windows um, and, and the preference to go with the uh, narrow transom windows, which appear on the uh, older photographs. Well, the, I, I believe the whole building had the narrow transom windows in a high-resolution mm -hmm. uh, TIFF file that was sent by AAPS. You can actually zoom in and see that there were screens covering the windows on the east side of the storefront. Yeah. 
and behind those screens you can see vertical lines which were the transoms. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying that that um, was sort of a standard feature of this building. Um, but I think what's really important about the, the sort of general proportions of the storefront is that this proposed storefront design has no, has no freeze below the, the cornice at all. And I think that's an important feature that sort of defines the proportion of the, trans the height of the transoms um, and then sort of separates it from the cornice. And it's something that's missing. I think, I think when we start removing stucco, we'll, we'll find actual evidence of that and we can say it's, it's here, we should use that same uh, proportion for the new storefront design. And then, um, you know, I don't know what, how the planning board, what sort of experience they have in preservation and, um, you know, I hate to pass off that responsibility to a board, to another board, but, you know, where we can't recreate historic details um, using a, a similar simplified detail is usually a recommended approach. And, um, you know, it, maybe we don't have the, the ionic column capitals on the storefront, but there's something there that sort of not replicates so much as just suggests that it was there in the past, but it's not there now. Um, so those are all things that I would want to, to, to participate in as far as a further review. There's a lot of detail here that's, that's, that needs to be worked out and um, it's, it's very, uh, it's hard just to let that go. So um, I'm, I'm still Sachs, supporting, Sachs, I think. Me if I could clarify, yeah. there could still be participation, but not necessarily as the formal capacity of the Historical Advisory Board if you understand what, what I'm saying. Because if, if the board were to continue its role as member of the board having oversight, then I think implies this project has to come back. Okay, no, I, um, I think that the applicant is, has suggested and made some you know, important improvements as far as uh, improving the, the storefront design to look more like the historic uh, building and possibly restoring a lot of the historic elements that were, are still there that we haven't been able to see and the stepping back of the second floor and just there's everything about this new this new proposal is a step forward and um, so I don't want to hold it up I, I, I support allowing this to go ahead but I think that we have to sort of include a lot of conditions that uh, you know see that it stays on the right track yeah, and I would say that maybe to ease your fears and on previous occasions uh, on projects that we've approved, I think that staff has come back at us with questions uh, in terms of appropriateness of some of the solutions or when the applicants ran across unforeseen circumstances. And so I would, uh, I certainly could entrust uh, staff to come back at us with any questions regarding the propriety of some of the details if they felt that they needed some input or wanted some input from us, yeah. Absolutely. Anyone else want to make a comment on? Okay. Um, let's see if I can find the draft resolution. Do you have a copy of that somewhere? Uh, I do. Give me one second. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Would you like staff to kind of summarize some of the specific 
points um, that were discussed and maybe if, uh, if included you, in you conditions. You want to take a stab at it? Sure. Yeah, let me take a stab at it. And uh, David, feel free to just jump in. Um, so first of all, uh, we want to incorporate the uh, suggestions uh, made by the Alameda Architectural Preservation Society, and specifically these are points one, uh, regarding architectural elements of the uh, storefronts being included on the plans, um, two, clarifying the proposed siding, and also uh, doing additional exploratory demo on Willow Street to determine what that design will ultimately look like. Um, and then also point number three about the new entry doors reflecting the design of the original doors. Um, uh, bullet point number five, uh, the expository demo on Willow Street, somewhat of an overlap there. And then uh, number six, the use of narrow transom windows above uh, the storefronts. Um, uh, number seven is related to the uh, details for the second floor windows. Um, and then on number eight, the sign on the signage, the board is uh, willing to accept uh, a content change uh, replacing the word liquors on the sign, but keeping the Lincoln market. Um, staff would also recommend in that case, uh, we would specify in the conditions that, uh, that the words Lincoln, mark Lincoln in cursive font be preserved, the block letter market preserved, and any new content replacing the word liquors be in the same font type and color. Yes, okay, yeah, so absolutely. Right, um, and then the uh, on the willow side, the cornice, uh, extending that to ensure that it straddles above the uh, full span of the bay, however wide that ultimately becomes, and additionally having a horizontal delineation on the Willow Street side between the upper and the lower levels. Um, last but not least, the uh, definition of the uh, parapet on the first story should better uh, reflect the original design and then the parapet on the upper level be uh, maybe revised to, to clearly differentiate those two designs. And that's all I have. I have a question. So, sorry to, but number three on the AAPS uh, they were suggesting that the storefront entry doors, the new, so these are new entry doors, right? They're not original to the. That's and correct. So they want it to closely reflect the design of the original wood doors. And, um, but I don't want it to um, misinterpret history as if they were original to the building. So how can we sort of come to, because I'm not suggesting a totally different style. I, of course, we want cohesiveness. Um, it, it's oftentimes done with just a simplification of a panel, right. or you know, or elimination of a panel, um, but still retain the proportions and height of the original storefront doors, but just remove an element that might have been there to make it obvious that it's not an original feature. Yeah, I, I think that AAPS's uh, suggestion is more about proportions, proportions. rather okay. than sort of a, a historic recreation of those doors. Okay. So I think that that would certainly be in line with the guidelines. Okay, 
I just wanted to make my point across. It's similar to our discussion about the new parapet on the second story. Okay, staff will include that in the conditions. Adjustment. Okay. With the emphasis on the proportions, not the exact appearance. Right. Okay. So, um, any other conditions that you'd like to include? No. Okay. Uh, then I would like to make a motion that we approve the, um, the resolution uh, with the conditions that we've just discussed um, added to the, the city's draft resolution and um, encourage the city to come back to us with questions and about the details of the, the storefront um, if they feel the need to have some further comment. Um, do I have a second? Is it his? I'm we, have, we have a second? Okay. All in favor? Aye. 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 So the motion passes four to nothing. Thank you very much. Thank you. And, and staff will be more than happy to include um, board members when we have questions. So moving right along, uh, item 7B, um, amendment to certification of approval for site A, block 11, and waterfront park design. Thank you, Chair Saxby. Um, forgot to introduce myself earlier. I'm Alan Tai, secretary to this board, um, planning, building, and transportation department. Um, so the, the item before you tonight is an amendment to a certification Certificate of approval that was approved by the Historical Advisory Board back in 2016. Um, this item is coming back before you tonight because the applicant, uh, Alameda Point Partners, is proposing some changes to uh, these two projects. Uh, one is a park, the other is um, an actual uh, seven story residential mixed use building with ground floor retail for um, 220 units um, at, at Site A. Um, just a quick overview of the timeline. There has been an extensive community planning process, a uh, number of public hearings and public processes leading up to uh, the adoption of a uh, Alameda Point waterfront and town center precise plan in 2014, and then also city council approval of the site A development plan in 2015. And there at the very last bullet, you see uh, that the historical advisory board approval of the block 11 and waterfront plans um, in 2016. Um, just to get you acquainted about Site A, for those uh, who might not know, uh, this is a map of Alameda Point. Site A is highlighted in that boundary, it's about 68 acres. Uh, we are focusing on an area that is uh, right at where my cursor is. This is the location of the waterfront park, and then Block A, uh, Block 11 is in at that location. Um, and this location is generally regarded as the focal point of Site A and, and sort of the center of the whole town center plan which, which covers uh, 
which covers well this area. <laughs> Um, so this is an illustrative site plan of uh, site A. Uh, I want to call your attention to the uh, black arrow, which points to a dotted line. That is the boundary of the NAS Alameda Historic District. Um, everything on, the, uh, on my left is the Historic District, and everything to the to my right is um, outside of the boundary. Now, because the uh, site straddles the boundary, um, that is what triggered uh, a certificate of approval. Um, and in the consideration of the certificate of approval, what the board considered was really how does the new development fit within the context of the historic district um, in terms of architectural relationships, in terms of uh, compatibility of uses, in terms of uh, the spatial relationships between the buildings as well as uh, view corridors. So we're going to briefly go, um, go through those details. Um, this is just a map of the historic uh, district. Um, I'm going to just kind of zoom in right here. The closest or the nearest uh, contributing buildings are, uh, is that? 41, 40, this is the smaller building there is 77, which are the, the building nearest uh, block 11 and the waterfront park. So in 2016, when this board considered uh, the project um, and, their con and its consistency with the secretary's standards, those are, this basically is the spatial relationship that was considered, as well as sort of the view corridor that um, runs across uh, the, the taxiway. This is the block 11 site plan. Uh, what this diagram is showing is a comparison between the previous approved plan and what's proposed. Uh, due to construction costs, the developer is looking at um, reducing the building footprint. It is maintaining the same number of residential units and the same um, mix of uses. However, uh, there is a different configuration of uh, residential unit types, you know, maybe more one bedrooms. Um, what also drove this change is uh, previously the stormwater management plan was highly designed around mechanical systems and, and equipment that uh, turns out to be costly to uh, install and costly for uh, future maintenance. And so uh, the redesign here uses a lot more of natural bioswales. So that ultimately factored into the uh, redesign of the building and the building footprint and the scale of the building. Um, here's a comparison of the south elevation. This is the elevation that would face um, sort of the, the uh, the south side, the Seaplane Lagoon area, again, I mentioned earlier, this is sort of the focal point of the Site A plan. Um, you can see predominantly it's the same design, uh, the, but just a smaller building. There are minor changes to the facade. I mean, you can sort of see uh, some of the detailing has changed. Um, after my staff report, uh, Alameda Point Partners um, will we'll go over some of these details. Um, I'm just going to quickly run, uh, run through some slides here, again, showing the previous entitlement, um, the approved design on the bottom, and the revised design on the upper elevation. Um, the photograph on the corner, 
there uh, is an example of um, some of the architectural elements that were some cues that were taken from the existing buildings and used in the new design. Um, very subtle here, but there is there is a little uh, curved element of this building here. Um, you could still see kind of the very emphasis on horizontal, uh, kind of the horizontal configuration, um, the use of colors, uh, you know, kind of the massing of the stucco and the brick. I mean, those elements are, are still being reflected even in the revised design. This is a north elevation. This is elevation that would face a parking lot and potentially a future parking structure. The east elevation. And just a close-up of the existing building. This is the nearest um, contributing building to um, Block 11. And just some photographs of uh, the surrounding buildings, the hangars. Um, a lot of the glazing used on the building is intended to mimic the glazing on the hangar buildings. Um, you might see some um, similarities there. Um, next, I'm going to talk about the park. This is actually an image taken out of the 2014 Town Center Waterfront Precise Plan. Uh, this is the vision for the waterfront park, even before it was designed um, for and, and reviewed by this board in 2016. It showed preservation of the important view corridors, uh, preservation of that openness, that you see out at Alameda Point right now um, on the taxiway. It did include canopy trees. I mean, um, I'll go over that in a little bit. Um, the approved design, um, and, and again, the, uh, what, what was driving the change in the design is previously the park design was based on a stormwater treatment system that was very structured. It was using mechanical systems that resulted in, um, you know, number of terraces, these steps that are being created. Uh, there are also rows of palm trees. The uh, layout and configuration of the landscaping was specifically designed to preserve some of those view corridors. Uh, with the change and replacement of a mechanical stormwater treatment system with something that is more natural and uh, flowing and based on gravitational flows, uh, the, the, uh, you, we're seeing fewer terraces, um, and this, these are now more sloping terraces as opposed to really, you know, steps, and, um, and the palm trees have been replaced with, uh, canopy trees, um, and that also was, uh, recommended by the Alameda Recreation and Parks Department. So this is sort of the landscaping plan showing the where the trees are located and, and which tree types are being replaced. Again, uh, the preservation of, um, of the view corridors uh, and preservation of kind of that openness right along the water front is evident. So this clicker doesn't. I'm having trouble with the clicker, sorry. Okay, so uh, the replacement of the landscaping, the Mexican fan palms replaced with the honey locust tree. So again, in summary, um, staff finds that the changes to the plans are 
predominantly in um, are predominantly consistent with the 2016 approval findings for approval made by the historical advisory board. Uh, the project, the uses are compatible with the historic district. Uh, the new designs uh, maintain the architectural relationship with the contributing buildings. Uh, we see the spatial relationships uh, that were previously approved um, being consistent, maintained, and most importantly, preserves the important view corridors and that openness that I had described. So uh, with that, staff's recommending this board approve the certificate approval amendment. And then I'm available for questions. Otherwise, uh, I think we have a presentation from the applicant as well. Um, I have a question regarding the, the tree selection. Um, I'm concerned that the new tree, proposed tree, is, is denser, wider, more obstructing of views. And we know that view right there at the, at the um, Seaplane Lagoon is, of the city is, is quite impressive. And so um, why was this tree selected over the previous selection, which looks like it was picked because it it's doesn't obstruct the view at all? Yeah, um, I'll also let the applicant respond to that. But my understanding is, you know, in recent years, uh, palm trees are kind of frowned upon because the palm fronds are not really compostable. So uh, we're seeing uh, the use of fewer and fewer palm trees in new development. Um, it's also, it's, it's kind of a, uh, it's an environmental factor that was considered. Um, furthermore, I think in, in terms of views, uh, the original vision for the park had canopy trees. Um, and I think there was probably feedback from uh, uh, the Recreation Parks Department, um, uh, other members of the community that have, uh, that wanted, that had a preference for more shade trees. Uh, trees that would also block the wind at this location. Um, the uses at this location of the park include a lot of bench seating and picnic areas, so a desire for having a canopy and shelter, I think, uh, was part of those factors. But most importantly, the, the approval back in 2016 acknowledged that, yes, the view corridors were really in the space between the landscaping and yes, the use of palm trees would have allowed for more uh, uh, sight lines through that area, but it was always anticipated to be a uh, landscaped area. So, thank you. Any other questions? Okay. Thank you. Good evening. Um, my name is Crystal Railsback. I work for uh, SRM Earth Development Partners, um, part of Alameda Point Partners, so I'm here representing APP tonight. Uh, thank you for having us. Um, so I'm here to give you a little bit more of an overview of Site A, and then I can walk you through some of the, um, the changes to, to the blocks and the, the park that Alan mentioned. Um, so uh, we can, oh, sorry.
Hmm. Big middle button. You might have to use the PDF. <laughs> Is there a slideshow view? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so here's a, uh, just to give you a brief overview of um, what's going to be built out at Site A. Uh, we have 800 multifamily uh, residential units, um, including 25% affordable, um, 15 acres of public parks and waterfront plaza, including the, the waterfront park that um, we're talking about tonight, up to 100,000 square feet of retail, um, up to 600,000 square feet of commercial, uh, targeting makers and advanced manufacturing, um, in the future, there'll be a 150-room uh, full-service hotel, um, $100 million in infrastructure improvements, uh, construction of a new ferry terminal at Seaplane Lagoon, uh, transportation infrastructure and services, um, and also some, uh, several TDM uh, programs. And we've also made a $5 million, contrib uh, $5 million contribution to a regional sports complex as part of the project. Go to the next page. Um, so here's the site plan showing you um, the various blocks um, in, within the site. Um, the central portion, which is outlined in red, is the phase one of the project. So that uh, includes the waterfront park in block 11. Um, so I can take you block by block through um, the, the site as well. So block six. Uh, consists of 64 um, townhomes, uh, which will be for sale homes uh, developed by Truemark. The first models um, will be open in June of 2020, so this uh, block is, is already under construction, and um, we'll have people moving in uh, in the Q3 of 2020. Uh, so here's another view of block six, and again, um, referencing um, the design back to uh, building 77 um, in the, uh, at the base. Uh, block seven, um, this is 60 townhomes, um, also developed by Truemark, and the foundations will start early next year. Block eight is 60 affordable senior units. Um, this is developed by Eden Housing, and the first residence will be in May 2020, so this will be the first uh, project occupied on the site. Uh, block 9 consists of 200 uh, market-rate apartments developed by Cypress. Um, they've started construction and have already poured the garage. Uh, so block 10 is um, envisioned as the gathering space for block 10. It'll consist of some adaptive reuse of the historic buildings and some new construction as well. There'll be um, 50,000 square feet of retail, makerspace, entertainment, and three acres of public park. Um, and as you know, just south of our site, um, we have the new ferry terminal opening at Seaplane Lagoon. And uh, we broke ground earlier this, well, we broke ground, the city broke ground earlier this year, um, and service will begin in August of 2020. So here's a, you have an aerial of um, Site A last year and Site A today. Well, not quite today, but um, recent. Uh, we broke ground uh, in March of 2018 on the background, uh, backbone infrastructure for phase one. Um, so to date, we have the sanitary sewer, stormwater system, uh, and joint trench complete, um, as well as most of the paving. So we have to, um, put on a final pave and plant trees uh, to complete our work and the site will be energized uh, by the end of January. 
Um, so here you get a, a better picture of uh, Block 11 and Waterfront Park and how they uh, interact with uh, Seaplane Lagoon. Um, okay, so the first block we'll talk about is Block 11. Um, and I don't have a ton to add to um, what Alan said about the, um, the changes we're going to be making, but um, I can give a couple more details. Um, as Alan mentioned, um, due to increasing construction costs, we um, reduced the size of this building. Um, the uh, average unit size went from 1,200 square feet to 1,000 square feet, so these are still um, pretty decent sized units. Um, the, the building footprint itself went from 2.19 acres to 1.7 acres, and we took 52 feet down from the, uh, the northern um, side of the building. Um, and yeah, this allowed us to, to reduce the, the cost by reducing the, um, the unit sizes, but we do feel that the, the integrity of the design was maintained. Um, so here you've got a view of the level one. You can see some changes to the parking and uh, retail and some of the amenities. Six of the units were removed from, from the ground floor as well. Um, so here's a, an example of the upper level. You can see the um, interior courtyard and amenities. So the, there were some changes made to the amenities and um, uh, uh, pool area there, um, but we were able to maintain all of the um, amenities, such as the, the pool, courtyard, lounges, workspace, um, just with some, some slight modifications. Um, again, the elevations, um, we did not make major changes to the elevations and, and were able to maintain um, the design intent. And here on the east elevation, we were able to add um, some additional landscaping because that, that uh, facade was pulled back a slight uh, bit as well. Okay, so we can move on to the um, waterfront park changes. Um, this uh, section of the park is 3.1 acres. Um, and so we, as Ellen mentioned, we received some comments from uh, Rec and Parks. Um, we also got comments from um, BCDC and city staff that we um, took into account uh, and incorporated into this um, updated proposed plan. Um, so Alan mentioned the um, terracing. We also added some additional seating um, that was requested by city staff and uh, uh, rec and parks. Um, so there's additional benches, picnic tables. Um, so the palm trees um, were replaced with the honey locust, and this was partly um, due to comments by um, rec and parks. Um, they requested that we add more shade to the, to the park. Um, they do not prefer palm trees in the parks for a few reasons. Um, they're really difficult to maintain. You have to get people up on the cherry pickers to, to trim them. The palm fronds can be dangerous and fall on people, and um, they also just don't provide um, the, the type of shade that they, they want people to be able to take advantage of in these park spaces. Um, you also have to uh, buy very mature palm trees. Um, to install so that they're high enough, and this is also um, very expensive. Um, so another change we made here was um, converting a lot of the hardscape to softscape. 
Um, so this was in order to reduce costs, but it also has converted the, the uh, waterfront park into more of a green park space rather than a promenade plaza type park. Um, you know, with the removal of the trees and the, and the addition of the, um, or the, sorry, the replacement of the trees and the addition of the, the softscape, um, you know, we don't feel that the, the view corridors have been compromised. Um, the trees are a little bit uh, wider at the base, um, but the, the views from, from the site into the lagoon have not been compromised and there's plenty of space to enjoy um, the views between, um, between the trees and, and it, is a, it is a pretty wide open space that, that's been preserved there. Um, we, d we removed the storm drain pump um, which was a, a costly item and was replaced by uh, bioretention planters. So you can see those um, sort of at the top of the park there. Can you actually go to the next page? Um, so this, this shows you a better view of the, the proposed plan. So the grove area, um, which is on either side of the, that lawn at the top of the park, um, th that's where the bioretention areas are as well as on the promenade behind those benches that are uh, parallel with the water. Um, so another feature that we were able to preserve is the historic taxiway, which you can see is um, marked as item six on the diagram. So that was the historic taxiway um, from the Navy base, and it, we will be um, painting a historic timeline on the concrete there of um, events relating to the site. And the terracing, while it was simplified and now is, has gone from four stepped level step terraces to two sloping terraces, we've maintained a level surface um, at the central stair so that there's all uh, level landings there so that you can walk up the stairs um, and enter the green spaces from, from that level area. Um, we've also, um, as you can see, identified um, a space for public art. And just to give you an update on the, our public art process, we um, put out a call for artists and received 172 submissions. Um, we chose seven finalists, and their proposals are actually due tomorrow. So um, we have um, an evaluation panel who will be looking at these and um, selecting the final art for that location and one more location in Site A over the next few weeks. And then here you can just see sort of the before and after of the, um, the terracing versus the um, more gradual terracing and sloping with the addition of the, the bioretention areas. And both of these um, proposed changes will be going to planning board um, this coming Monday as well. So I'm happy to answer any questions though. Uh, Monday, uh, our design professionals will be here and able to um, answer <laughs> in more specifics. Uh, I, I had trouble following the, the point you made about the historic taxiway and yeah, what so the significance of that is and how it's being addressed. Yeah, so the taxiway, um, Joe, do you have a little bit more history on the, on the, the taxiway? Go back one more page. You can, it's labeled. Um, so it's, un, 
It's the between the groups. Yeah, no, I was oh, going to okay. go to a different slide, but here I'll work with this. So the taxiway, um, you know, this area up here, the whole area was a taxiway and, and originally parking area for planes. Um, as you come down the new street here, the new West Atlantic, and into this shared plaza, we wanted to preserve a view corridor down that taxiway um, and kind of keep that notion of a, an open pathway with views to San Francisco um, through the project. And then on that pavement section that goes through, there'll be bike paths at one edge of it, but then there'll be historical markings that talk about the history of the base and things that have happened there over time um, as part of the telling the history of Alameda Point. And so how wide is that feature? Um, I, let's see. I, I guess the, the, the next question, which I'll go ahead and give now, is do this new does the new tree selection at all impinge on the, the view corridor that you've left open in the taxiway? It well, looks like the trees overlap 25% of it or more. Yeah, no, the, I mean, the, the, the tree definitely um, is wider than a palm tree, certainly the base of a palm tree. You know, I think we can establish maintenance standards to keep them trimmed up appropriately and, and you know, maintain good views at ground level. But um, there were, you know, when we went through our original approvals with the planning board, there were there was, uh, you know, as much support for the palm trees as there was against um, for some of the reasons cited. You know, they're an expensive tree. There was concern would they, um, you know, some of the trees have health issues. Um, but then Parks and Recs, of course, felt that, you know, more shade um, in certain areas of the park would make this a more pleasurable place to be. And so that's what we've come up with again. But I think if we were to establish some maintenance standards to, to keep them limbed up, to keep them more calmer, um, you know, that might be one way to address concerns uh, about view. Yeah, or possibly just set them back further from the taxiway. Um, like I'm, it looks like on the, the north side, I'm not seeing a... Yeah, the north side, it looks like they're pretty close to the taxiway on the south side. They're sort of set in more in the picnic areas. But that's, we'll let the planning department or planning commission address those issues. Um, any other questions? Uh, I did have a question regarding the building. Um, so it appears that one of the biggest changes that I was able to uh, make out was on the I believe it's on the east elevation. There used to be an open, um, an open area that that had an adjacency to the street. Is that am I understanding that right? Um, east elevation. Um, yeah. Let's see. Is this this is the south elevation or east elevation? Um, east would be Buckthorn, facing Block Ten. The alleyway facing Block Ten. Right, so yeah, so it seemed like there was a sort of a, a plinth area that engaged the street. It was not at street level, but was part of the development. Right, as part of the the value engineering exercise here to to shrink the footprint, um, you know, that was one area that it we didn't feel you know the heavy investment in that 
feature made a lot of sense because it backs up to block 10 and where we have a building, the back of house of a retail building right facing into that. And so, you know, we clearly wanted to preserve the features more so on the south and the west side facing the historic district and the park, but the east side, you know, backed up to another building. So it wasn't going to be a pleasant pedestrian area. Um, as pleasant as the other areas, and so that's where it um, uh, a decision was made to trim that down. And then one other question I had was um, there was, I believe in the staff report, it alluded to the fact that the 90% um, uh, of the roads and infrastructure supporting phase one have been completed. So does that, how does that, uh, what does that 90% in include roughly? I mean, you, you talked about the infrastructure and the storm drainage and all of that. So the areas that we're talking about here, so the, the roads have not been paved and I'm assuming that the retention has not been developed yet. Is that correct? Uh, the, f the retention, the piping for all of the retention, most of the storm system is complete. So the underground, any underground piping is complete, but the landscape features as part of the retention systems, those have not been completed. But the road system for phase one of site A, all of that curb and gutter and storm water retention features have been in place and all the, at minimum, a first lift of pavement is on every street. Okay, so the... What, one more comment about that though. Sure. To, to the north of block 11 is a private road that has not been um, paved. That, that will, become, will be paved when this building is uh, gotcha. built. Yeah, so that was my question. So the 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 added area that you're gaining by pulling away the building, that is still not yet developed and it's still pending, is that correct? Yeah, it's going to increase the size of the block north of it, block 14, mm -hmm. which is a public parking area, um, could accommodate a parking structure at some point in the future, okay. but it will um, provide some more parking for the waterfront um, park, uh, getting people there for events, what have you. Yeah, and it, and it appeared, if I understood correctly, that you're also increasing the width of uh, bike lanes and th that the right-of-way increases a little bit as well, or the street width and the sidewalk and there's added bike paths along that side, or is that not on the north side? Not formally on the north side, but everywhere else, I mean, we've preserved all of the bike pedestrian features, and um, that's been a don't-touch <laughs> part of the plan. Okay, thank you. Yep. Other questions? Well, I don't have a question, but I have a comment. <laughs> so I just have, I just have a question um, because, uh, no question to <laughs> come. Uh, I know, I know you, um, Alameda has a very, um, they have a, you know the street line in Alameda? It's a very like historical. My question is like, the taxi way, you know, they kind of represent the, um, the history timeline, right? So. I saw the um, the light is very new design on the um, on the street line. Very new design. Uh, sorry, number three, number eighteen. Do you think you can do is uh, I mean on the taxi way the the post the light is different than the using the old uh, Alameda street line inside or. Yeah, it um, kind of represent the history. I mean, this is what I mean. Yeah, I mean, f just kind of again following, you know, 
kind of the, the standards, um, um, you know, that, it, that would be a new feature for this area. So while the taxiway paved surface, we're trying to provide a, a wide concrete surface, which is the taxiway, the, the lighting poles would be something newly introduced. And so not trying to make it look like it was there historically, the lighting features. Okay. And that's kind of, you know, trying to stay with the oh. guidance from the, the national park standards. So um, just to the west of your um, waterfront park, what's, what's happening there in the future? That will be further extension of the park. So this portion of the park is going to have more hardscape. This will be more, you know, for people, activities, you know, more of a formal environment. But the park, as it moves further west, will be more of a softer um, landscape. Um, we have had a lot of requests from different groups to create some public access, boat access, um, whether for businesses up there that are in the marine um, type businesses or, um, you know, other types of businesses to have water access. But it will be a softer, less sculpted um, plan as you travel to the left or the west of that uh, red dash line you see. But the will, will the the hardscape promenade sort of continue on or is that going to also turn into more of a landscape feature? Um, the hardscape promenade I, I believe will continue. Um, we haven't designed that piece yet as you get further out but there's also you know if you look at the top of our plan there's still a substantial uh, additional substantial taxiway and concrete area there to continue. You know part of the goal too I believe is you know to keep the Bay Trail continuing along through here. So um, I think that spine will definitely continue as we move, move west. And we will have to continue to incorporate sea level <laughs> rise um, uh, mitigation in whatever design that occurs as it moves west as well. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? Okay, well, we'll close the question answer period and start a discussion. Um, and for the record, there are no public speakers. There are no public speakers. We're running late, I guess. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna jump in here. I, I can't see how this uh, materially changes what was previously approved by HAB back in 2016, um, uh, you know the the tree change and little minor things like that. I don't I don't see it as making dramatic impact on what the direction that was approved back in 2016. So uh, personally, I I, I I can support this resolution, but I'd like to hear what the other members have to say. Uh, yeah, I would generally agree. I I think that. Um, the smaller footprint of the building is not something that I think um, affects the project in a negative way. I think it's actually a positive thing and certainly the move away from mechanical systems to more passive systems I think is, is a good one. So I think it's a net gain overall in terms of uh, the, the overall approach to the project. It, yeah, I, I think generally speaking in terms of our purview, I, I, I think it respects the original approval as well. 
Um, just from the questions, I, I tend to, uh, I, I agree with um, board uh, chair member Saxby and board member Sanchez. Um, obviously, we're very concerned about those um, view corridors and, um, but also just, uh, I think those trees are, were well thought out. I, I can see why there was much discussion between the palm trees and the current trees. Um, as a mother of a toddler and going out constantly, um, I think that this space would be um, much more appreciated by the community with these new trees. Um, and uh, I think that much thought was put into uh, these new trees. Um, it's tough because we're coming in after, I'm sure, lots of discussion. And I mean, we're down to two trees, but I'm sure there was a lot of other species of trees that were considered. Um, so I think that my comment would just want to emphasize that, yes, we really do care about those views and that um, may, though it may not be the purview of this particular discussion that um, as we move more west in that waterfront that we'd like to also just make sure that um, that sort of strip of history and the landings of the airplanes that sort of proportions um, stay somehow preserved and marked um, for the future. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that. Lau? Yeah, I, I still think it's uh, the taxway, the post line is like a um, little um, historic style, but you know, I, I respect the approval in 2016 too, so uh, all the materials thing. Are the, are the light fixtures you're re referring to at the Naval Air Station now? No, the, like, because you're looking for the new style on the... I know, but the, the ones that you'd like to see there, are they part of the Naval Air Station? Or are they part of something else in Alameda? Something else in, in the street, yeah. you know. Yeah. Our, our standard street fixture. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, kind of like these Anyway, person. Hey, staff, just make two sure. additional comments. Um, one is just, uh, I believe the uh, designs, future designs for the waterfront park. So um, this is really phase one of the waterfront park design. I think it was alluded to earlier. Subsequent phases will have to be designed and be approved. So um, there will be opportunity f to comment on that. Um, and then kind of the second comment to board member Lau's um, comment about the street lighting. If you're referring to kind of the historic post-top lighting, that is really of a slightly different historic period, whereas the period of significance for the Naval Air Station is really in the 40s. And I think the selection of this uh, lighting style is fairly consistent with some of the lighting that we've seen at naval bases during that time. So um, we may be talking about different periods, but okay. um, we, we think the design of this lighting is appropriate for the taxiway. Sure. Do I have a motion on, on uh, this resolution? Uh, sure, so I'll move to approve the uh, resolution for the amendments to the original approval um, for phase one at site A. With no additional comments, just as outlined by the city recommendation, city draft resolution? Correct. Okay. Do have a second? I'll second that motion. All in favor? Aye. 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 
motion passes four to nothing. Thank you very much. Okay, moving along to item 7C, which is uh, the HAB 2020 meeting schedule. And I think we talked about maybe changing the January meeting. Yes, previously I think there was a question about pulling the board for availability. That is uh, a Thursday that's right after the uh, New Year's Day holiday. Um, staff, at this point, we don't anticipate having any items for that meeting, so you can, as part of your motion on this calendar today, to strike that meeting, if you prefer. Instead of rescheduling it for a week later, but just to... Yeah, I think if between now and then anything comes up, we'll pull the board for availability, availability okay. and then try to schedule a meeting on the 9th. The 9th. But again, at this time, there's there's nothing on our calendar. So it's not likely to happen. Correct. Okay, thank you. I, I can support that. I, any other comments? Uh, staff just also wants to point out, um, August is missing because that's generally uh, city council recess and recess for city boards and commissions. But last this last August, we had a meeting. We did because that was uh, an exception. We had items <laughs> on the agenda. And so we should hold uh, it open. <laughs> <laughs> and that um, there was not a meeting in July. Um, next item, board communications. Do we have so um, that's a motion to approve? Oh, <laughs> yes. I, I would make a motion to approve the Historical Advisory Board meeting schedule uh, as, as represented here in this um, document. I'll second the motion. All in favor? Aye. 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 The motion passes four to nothing. Next item, board communications. Do we have communications? Next item, staff communications. Um, staff does have one item. Um, in front of you, I've printed a list of uh, webinars that are available um, as a resource to you, uh, training resource to you um, or reference material um, from the California Preservation Foundation for which the city of Alameda is a member of. Um, uh, you can take your time to review the list and if you see anything that interests you, you can contact staff and we can provide you um, access to view any of these webinars. Um, we staff, uh, we use this a lot and it is a very good resource, videos, hour long webinars on a number of preservation topics. Um, and, and just again, a reminder to the board, um, keeping up to date on preservation issues is, is a requirement of the board and also uh, membership of the city of Alameda as part of the certified local government program, which is a state and national program for preservation. So we can view it online or? Yes, yes. Well, what you would have to do is uh, find, select the webinars that you think you're interested in and then let me know and I can provide you with the access. Yeah, I think and it's what, viewable I it on the internet. It was was it 2018 that we actually met here in this room and and attended one of those webinars, Correct. which was mm -hmm. very informative, useful. Can, uh, I, can I ask if it's not too much trouble? Um, if staff happens to run across something that's really pertinent to 
our board if they could also just make like a suggestion of which webinars and maybe we could do like at least one gathering of viewing or something just for fun okay. yeah absolutely again um, a gathering of this board a quorum would be have to, would have to be noticed and advertised as a special meeting of the board that would be perfectly fine if that's a preference we just have to coordinate the logistics um, yeah I'm a member of the California Preservation Foundation so if I see something that looks interesting I'll, I'll wave a flag okay thank you yeah they are interesting I, I agree that's it's it's a really great organization um, any other staff communications that's all okay oral communications I don't think there are any so uh, I'll make a motion to adjourn I'll second okay all in favor aye aye, aye. aye. we're adjourned <laughs>